back on the Exit 52 podcast. It is Friday, December 15th, 2023. Year's coming to a close here. It's about to be 2024. Funny how that works. Time. My name is Jake Luke. I'm joined by Spencer Nathaniel Schultz, sporting uh, an interesting hat there. Is that a Jameson Baltimore Ravens collab that I'm seeing? Yeah, it is. I don't know where I got this. Got a couple of them last year in some capacity somewhere. Super comfy. I like it a lot. Got a couple. Damn. Two. Two of them. Huh. Interesting. From I'd like, a, I'd like a bar, and the franchise took one. Okay. All right. That's fine. I was just saying, if you got one laying around, listen, you know who to think of. Oh, the Irishman himself, the, uh, the, the Robert De Niro. That's me. That is me. And we are here on uh, another preview pod. Ravens in an interesting spot. We've been talking a lot of Ravens this week. We did the jumbo set on Tuesday night. We were in the studio with Rita last night at uh, at 105.7. I actually just got off 105.7 again with Tim talking some more Ravens there. Uh, it's been uh, it's been a lot, and uh, I don't know. I've been uh, enjoying it quite a bit. But uh, here, here we are. We got to talk some Ravens, Jacksonville Jaguars. How are we feeling about that? I'm excited for this one. <clears throat> primetime football game, back-to-back primetime football games, three out of four primetime football games. Who knows? Maybe four out of five primetime football games. We'll see what happens down the road. Please but, no. Please no. Oh, that would, oh, so terrible. So terrible that would be. No, I just I have Wait. a I have a wedding on New Year's Eve. I can't I can't do that. Uh, I don't want to be the guy that's streaming it on my phone and it's oh. Oh, what is wrong with that? It's a New Year's wedding as it is. I went to a wedding on New Year's Eve last year. I, look, I know I'm preaching to the choir here. You, you can keep going. I, I, I'm aware how that sounds, me saying that to you, but continue. I went to a wedding on New Year's Eve last year. That's college football playoff, and they had a ball drop thing at the reception, and every guy there was holding Alabama, uh, or no, excuse me, Georgia, Ohio State on their phone. I well, that, yeah, that's going to be big for you this year with uh, your Crimson Tide sneaking in. I mean, sneaking in, sneaking yeah. in by winning the SEC championship. Oh, yeah. How, what a sneak job that was. Can't wait for them to uh, get their revenge on Texas. Oh, boy. That'd be exciting. But yeah, so the Ravens piling it up here. And I'm excited for this one because, again, hey, great to win. One seed. Awesome. Bye. Want that. Badass. But. Not the end of the world. Again, these games are a little bit of litmus tests. And we go back, these two teams played last year. The Ravens blow a lead against the Jaguars last year. And I look at this as a did you learn your lesson game? What have you learned since? Well, the Ravens went and got way better weapons to make sure that maybe if they need to throw the ball later in the game, they can make a play or two. They changed their offensive coordinator. And we just watched last week. The Browns go take a big lead, and the Jaguars can really play from behind. Oh, what did the Jaguars do in the postseason to the Chargers? Come from behind. So this is a team that very much is a likeness of the kitty cats that they are themed after. They have nine lives. They will keep coming and coming and coming, and Trevor Lawrence will fire the ball. Wow. Oh, uh, that wasn't even a good. That wasn't even a good one. That wasn't a good one. That wasn't a good one. It was so not a good one that it might be a good one, but it wasn't a good one. I didn't say anything. Oh, okay. Oh, oh, all right. You didn't speak through uh through your little fingers there on your your little soundboard. Uh, yeah, talk to talk to Mr. Wilson. That was not me. I'll, I'll take it up with uh, the crooked nose man himself. But 
These kitty cats have nine lives. They've proven it time and time again. They did it to you. They did it in the playoffs. They just kind of did it last week. They didn't complete that comeback, but you're not going to be able to get complacent. You are going to probably get a lead in this game, probably have to repeatedly stick them in the heart with a steak and garlic and a silver bullet and thwart them. So I have many thoughts on the Jaguars offense. That's what I spent most of my time on, but... You know this team a good bit. They're in your conference, familiar foe to a degree. You went down there last year. You know what that's all about. A lot of the same guys. And got to get it done. This Jaguars team's decently hobbled. And Trevor Lawrence himself is hobbled. So not really a lot of excuses in this one. The Jags are a solid, very solid team. But just not a lot of excuses to have a, a pitiful performance in this one to me. They almost, uh, they seem to me like what, they seem like the sort of the positive timeline of what the Chargers should have been. Like, if things had worked out for the Chargers, this is what they would be, right? With the young, super talented uh, quarterback that everyone loves, and they got some weapons on offense to deal with. I know Christian Kirk's dealing with some health stuff. Um, defense, a lot of talent on there. It's certainly working out better for Jacksonville than it has for uh, the Chargers. Uh, and really, they get, they got what the Chargers are missing, I think, which is a solid culture with a, a good, respected head coach and Doug Peterson who's got these guys pretty much, I think, where they should be at 8-5. and five. Uh, I know people were maybe expecting more from them, but, you know, progression isn't quite as linear as a lot of people like to think, where it's like, oh, you win a playoff game. Now you have to go and win another one. Now you got to People think that you need to, like, stack this stuff and stack it and stack it just because we saw the Patriots kind of take their reign and never give it up, and then we saw it again with the Chiefs more recently. They're just a very solid kind of very respectable contender within this AFC. So, yeah, I'm expecting it to be a tough one as well. I like that comparison you make to the upside down of the Chargers, and it reminds me kind of of the movie Us. It's like Trevor Lawrence goes to Jacksonville, the city loves him, the organization makes the right kind of moves, they go get a experienced, offensive, competent Super Bowl, recently winning Super Bowl head coach who likes to serve ice cream, and meanwhile, underneath of the uh, Venice Beach boardwalk there. There's Justin Herbert with the Spanos family relocating and being the second fiddle and not having weapons and not getting protection and getting all the nasty narratives about him while Trevor Lawrence has kind of avoided all of that and they have that collision course in that game. So I like that comparison a lot, a lot, a lot. Uh, took a pretty deep dive when I started watching the Browns defense against the Jags offense. It just quickly stood out to me and reminded me that Trevor Lawrence, I think, is... Very cut and dry on what you have to do to beat him. You have to pressure him. Trevor Lawrence stinks when he's pressured, especially as opposed to when he's not pressured. Passer rating, or excuse me, passing grade, PFF, 18th when pressured. Third lowest completion percentage when pressured, only 44% of his passes. He's thrown five touchdowns and six interceptions. He has the fourth highest turnover-worthy play percentage, 20.6% of his pressures turn into sacks, which is the seventh highest figure in the NFL. His passer rating when he's pressured is only higher than Mac Jones, Zach Wilson, and Bryce Young this year. So 55.6. The upside down of that, us, is when kept clean, he has the fourth highest passing grade. He has the third highest big-time throw rate. He has a 101 passer rating. 12 touchdowns, four interceptions. Has only been pressured on a league low 29.6% of his dropbacks. I think it's simple. I'll dive deeper into it, but he's a little hobbled. The Browns got him off kilter. He did make some plays late in that game, but if you pressure him, 
you can win. You will win. You have to hit him. He is only responsible for 12 of his own pressures this year. PFF likes to credit, and I love the stat. They like to do, is it the quarterback's fault or a blocker's fault that the pressure happened? Only 12 of the, his pressures are self-inflicted, which is the fourth lowest total among qualified passers. Joe Burrow only had four this year, which is nuts. Obviously, he's missed some games. But uh, when you look at this kind of offensive line, they're missing Cam Robinson. Their tackles aren't great. They do have big Sheriff the Sheriff at right guard and a couple okay interior uh, offensive linemen, but they don't run the ball very often, only 38% of the time. They don't run a really high rate of play action, so it's a lot of straight dropback. The one thing they do, though, is get the ball out quickly. 54% of Lawrence's dropbacks, the ball comes out in under two and a half seconds, which is the fourth highest rate in the league. So to me, that says... What do you have to do to this guy? You have to, number one, get pressure. That's a very overarching statement that's too much of an oversimplification and generalization. But you got to press them. If you go play press and man and man match concepts, then that's going to force Lawrence to either beat you quickly or hold the football where you have more of a shot of getting pressure. And despite how he has been good when he gets the ball out quickly, he has eight turnover-worthy plays on quick passes, which is the seventh highest figure in the league. And the percentage there is ninth highest. So if you can get him to hold the ball, he's also average. He does play a quick game, a cerebral game. He kind of reminds me of just like 80% of Andrew Luck. Like he doesn't quite have the physicality and uh, he's, he's very similar in many ways to him though. But I just think you got to play a lot of press. They are down Christian Kirk, who I think is probably the most underrated wide receiver in the NFL. So that's going to put a lot of onus on Calvin Ridley and Evan Ingram. Evan Ingram been shouldering a huge load here and has, I think, 170 yards, 20 receptions, and three touchdowns on a bunch of targets in the last two games. So they've asked Evan Ingram, who they paid a good bit of money, to fill that void in the middle of the field, and he's done a great job there. But I think the Ravens have been pretty damn solid defending tight ends for the most part. And Jags are a little beaten up right now. Like They've had a tough stretch, and... I think this is a get-right game. They were really, really rolling before that Trevor Lawrence injury. His EPA per drop back was like 0.5 over the course of a month before that game. His completion percentage over expectation was really high. So I think the Ravens got a little bit of a, a favor here in the terms of that injury and Christian Kirk and Cam Robinson's out and that offense is down a lot. And, um, you know, I'll pass it over to you in a second, but their run game stinks. Their success rate's really low. They average, I think Travis Etienne's averaging like under four yards a carry. They run a ton of gap, which was surprising. He leads the NFL in gap rushes, man, power, counter kind of rushes, 128 attempts. Only him and Joe Mixon have more than 110. And it's funny, he has such a bad yards per carry average, but has the second most forced tackles missed in the NFL. His breakaway percentage, 15 plus yard runs is not very high. So they really tried to get him going against the Browns. They ran some wildcat and some counter and some stuff. And he got going a little tiny bit, but it's just going to be, did you learn your lesson on what Trevor Lawrence can do to you? If you don't, if you play conservatively with a lead and sit in soft zone, he'll pick you the fuck apart. And did you learn your lesson last time? Mike McDonald and these DBs and everything like that. So I don't know. I, I, I don't know what the Jags can really have up their sleeve this time for the Ravens. I think the Ravens 
might have a little bit deeper bag of tricks defensively than the Jags do offensively. Yeah, it almost like they're an interesting sort of use case for me, a little bit of a non sequitur, but just in terms of like building their offense strategically, they're an interesting use case for like, they don't go after the shiny objects. They like go and pay the guys who they believe are going to fit their offense well and produce for them because I like that Christian Kirk signing got absolutely just obliterated by people when it happened and he's looked amazing and then you've got Calvin Ridley that was very much a buy low when they went and traded for him you look at Evan Engram same thing uh outside of those guys like what really threatens you Zay Jones has been productive for them I know he kind of killed the Ravens a little bit last year too Parker Washington lined up in the slot um and then their tackles are kind of a weakness as well there uh it just to, as far as the p uh, the pff grades go you got Walker Little left tackle and then um Anton Harrison there on the right side. They're both within the 50s as far as PFF grades go. But yeah, very pass heavy. Um, When you look at the RBSDM stuff over the last month, top five as far as uh, dropback efficiency. So their passing game and then in the uh, the rushing side of things, they're they're pretty far down there, and the Ravens are much more well balanced in that uh, in that regard. So yeah, I think McDonald is kind of he's got his work cut out for him, but it also does seem like if you can kind of contain this passing attack, and it's going to be easier said than done, obviously. Um, you might be able to make them a little one-dimensional and uh, have a little bit better of, of a performance than you did last time against them. And I think going up against a Rams team that does so many interesting things in the passing game, you're not quite dealing with probably that level of schematic uh, schematic kind of cunning as you would be with a Sean McVay. It's still probably going to be pretty good. I think that was probably a pretty good, uh, pretty good test um, as well to have them ready to go in this one. What do you think about that? I do certainly think that that could expose some leaks coming out of that bye week. And we watch the Rams really try to use bunches and trips and tight alignments to force the Ravens to pass off in coverage and got them a few times. And uh, Puka Nakua goes and makes a crazy catch and Cooper cup demonizes them a little bit. So Marlon Humphrey in this one, uh, gotta be a quick rebound, quick bounce back, had a little bit of a layoff there, the bye week, the injury, a bad game there. And can't be having that. Can't be giving up free passes. And it just doesn't feel like the Jags are in the same phase of their season as the Rams are. It feels like the Rams aren't comfy, weren't comfy, have to fight, have to claw, knew they had a tall task. But the Jags are like, all right, you know, CJ Stroud's hurt and we've been in first place. We went to the playoffs last year. Eight and five is really good. Uh, you know, they they basically just beat the tech. They, they just have to beat the Texans. Like that's if nothing else, they just have to beat the Texans probably, and they make the playoffs and win their division and get a home game again, and that's a resounding success. So I don't know that there's this level of hunger on that offensive side of the football right now from them. And I don't know. I kind of did think that I was like, you know, how, who are the horses going to be against the Rams that are going to beat you? I thought Cooper Cup would not look as fresh as he did, and boy, oh boy, did he look fresh. Bouncing off tackles, carrying guys, going up and grabbing the ball. Nakua looked really good, did not look hurt at all. So, uh, you know, that's always a, a crapshoot of injuries and things like that. So that the mega culpa, I should have talked about that probably more. I think I, I talked about Kyron Williams a little bit on the jumbo, but I don't know, man. ETN shifty, just not consistently efficient. I don't think they really care. I don't want to say they don't care about running the ball, but they throw the ball so They seem much. to, uh, it's funny, like I look at the Rams a little bit and they seem to be 
almost like having been built in Matthew Stafford's kind of image where it's a lot of just like razzle dazzle. It's a lot of just like, I I don't want to call it frantic, but it's a lot of controlled chaos where he's bouncing around and he's, you know, completing these crazy. It's a lot of him making throws that the defense doesn't expect him to make. Yeah. And it's like, and they hit a lot. I wouldn't say a lot of the time, but they hit enough to be extremely We we talked about this. He is, he throws the least per, Lowest percentage of catchable and on-target passes in the NFL. Yeah. He throws a lot of low percentage passes in that offense. Right, and this is kind of like, to tie it back to the Jags, it's like if the Rams do that through Stafford, it almost seems like the Jags do that with Lawrence, who we've talked about. He's just kind of like, he's very big, he's very like he's very statuesque, but he can move around a little bit. He's just very good at everything and he doesn't necessarily blow you away at a lot. And it's just the way that he moves around and the way that he throws the ball. It's just all very deliberate and methodical. And it seems like their approach is that way where, yeah, they'll pick you apart underneath and they'll just take what they, what you give them. Basically seems like they kind of run their offense stylistically in a philosophical way uh, or philosophically almost through their style of their quarterback, which is interesting. They do, and they do take a lot of shots. Lawrence has the tied for the sixth highest percentage of passes that travel 20-plus air yards, so attacking over top uh, about as much as the Ravens do. It is .2 less than Lamar Jackson does. When you go through a lot of numbers, Lamar Jackson and Trevor Lawrence having a very similar year in many, many ways. Um, the one thing that Jackson does better is after you know improvising, creating after the play, extending plays, has the fourth highest completion percentage after two and a half seconds in the NFL. A lot of big time throws there. Whereas the difference is that Lawrence, like we said, is, and that's kind of what I think your point is. He operates the offense. He distributes the football. He gets it out quickly. He negates the pass rush. And that might not have a lot of razzle dazzle, but it moves the football down the field really quickly. And Doug Peterson still is creative enough. They've done a great job using Evan Ingram and all those things. So I don't think it's a flashy offense, but it is a highly quarterback cerebral dependent offense like Tom Brady, like you mentioned Matt Stafford on the Rams. It's his show. He's calling the plays. He's got his checks. He's got his options. He's got his winks and his nods. Maybe Aaron Rodgers like in some ways from a few years ago, I would put it maybe a little less ridiculous on the deep ball, but um, he's good. He's a good quarterback. They have a good offense. They don't have a lot of great, but Evan Ingram has been playing great. Calvin Ridley can beat you in man. You mentioned Zay Jones there. Parker Washington uh, came on strong in, in Kirk's absence two weeks ago. And you just have to hit Lawrence. Like You just have to keep hitting Lawrence, uh, going and looking at the opponents that the Jaguars have played over the last few weeks here. We have the... Browns, who don't sim a lot of pressure. The Bengals, who simulate some. The Texans, who simulate some. The Titans, who simulate some. Um, So in terms of Mike McDonald's idea of who and what and how I'm going to go stunt and blitz and sim pressure and everything like that. I mean, the Ravens at this point, heading into last week, 31%. If you go look at the Bengals, 22% above average there. And other than that, the rest of those teams, the Texans, very rarely sim pressure, actually. I was wrong about that one. And the Titans do a fair amount. So I I think you got to turn those up, turn up those looks, see if you can get him to hold that football. And like you said, Matt Stafford last week was a great shot for the chaser to be Trevor Lawrence of a quarterback that knows what you're doing, isn't going to take a lot of sacks, and will get the ball out. Lawrence 
doesn't get pressured a lot, but takes a lot of sacks. Has a very high pressure to sack rate, 20%. One out of five pressures are a sack. So get pressure. Have to. Have to get pressure on him. 61 as far as their overall pass blocking grade on PFF. 44.2 in run blocking. So those are pretty pretty dismal numbers. I mean, they, are, they are horrific in the run game. Yeah. They are abhorrent yeah and it's it's funny because like their their passing attack overall is rated as like an 80 which is in the green that's very good and like pretty much their entire team is kind of graded pretty well across the board except for that uh their tackling is not good on the defensive side of the ball which we'll get to but yeah it does seem kind of it seems a little one-dimensional which i'm sure mike mack will be licking his chops looking at that they get the ball out quickly a lot and they take a good bit of deep shots they're not a big intermediate passing team they don't really have that presence uh calvin ridley you know will beat you on that sideline, but Calvin Ridley and they both went to Alabama. Shout out Alabama. They very similar to Amari Cooper. I feel like Calvin Ridley, very similar players, careers, level of talent, quiet other than Ridley's, you know, incident with sports betting and stuff, but kind of more quiet guys, very good route runners, maybe not the most scary after the catch, but they make plays, they're pros, they're good. They create separation. Very, very, very good pro outside wide receivers. So I think that's kind of a familiar foe. And I don't know. I'm I'm just curious. I'm curious to see how much man coverage Mike McDonald plays. That's Calvin Ridley's bag is beating man coverage, but you got Roquan Smith and Patrick queen and these safeties. You can, you know, we talk about shade and bracketing and that kind of stuff. You can have a corner play outside leverage. You don't have to shade a safety necessarily, but you can have a linebacker run underneath like we see Roquan Smith do so often, line up mugged up over the A-gap and then run over Calvin Ridley's side and get your eyes up and see. It'll at least make Lawrence hold the football. So curious to see. I think my one question for Mike Mack, my, maybe my uh, Black Eyed Susan Spice's hot take is, is – Mike Mack at the end of his bag, like have we seen the full bag? I feel like the sim pressure is kind of eventually, finally running its course to a degree. They've seen most looks. I think you can pick up on tendencies. Queen and Matabike like to stunt a lot. They don't stunt Jadevian Clowney inside that much. They haven't really been lining him up inside. Uh, this is a good game too. We we haven't really seen Matabike and Pierce dropping back a ton, yeah. which they were doing a good bit. So. Uh, with Lawrence wanting to get the ball out quickly, maybe this is a good game to, again, get back in that bag and see how many different looks you can throw at him, get him to hold the ball. And if you get him into a negative game script and you're talking about pass-heavy situations toward the end of the game and you know what they're going to be doing, that's going to be a good opportunity to see if you can put some of those things to the test. I mean, they won that game in L.A. by you know on that critical fourth down play where they dropped Pierce and uh, whoever else it was on that that final play, and then they obviously rushed Mullet and they forced the uh, intentional grounding. So yeah, maybe some kind of a uh, some kind of key signature play like that will show that there is more in the bag there. But yeah, I mean it's a good point, man. I mean for all this talk of him as a, a wonderkind and all this anxiety about losing him, which obviously that's still very much a real thing. How much can you really do over the course of these NFL seasons that are just so long and they just continue to get longer and longer and we're just going to milk this thing for all it's worth and they still got another month to go here. But yeah, I mean, I guess for me, putting a button on it with the defense, I want to see Marlon Humphrey get put in some good situations and start to build that confidence back up. And I'm interested to see what happens with Kyle Hamilton. He had the uh, little little soft tissue thing, not nearly as badly, uh, or not nearly as bad as people were kind of fearing. And uh, he's already been practicing two days in a row here. Sounds like he might be ready to go. So it's almost like, do you play him and then 
rest him on that trip out to San Francisco, which obviously that's a big game. It's a big measuring stick game, but it doesn't have a ton of import as far as AFC uh, playoff permutations go. It's a big entertainment value game, but not a lot of implications in that one. Or so I think those are all good questions. Or permutations. Permutations. Flipping on and over to the other side of the ball, you mentioned getting the Jaguars in a negative game script, which is something that Trevor Lawrence and the offense do seem to be quite comfortable with, considering some of the comebacks they've made, particularly against this Ravens team. We already mentioned all those. But what do they like to do? Well, in terms of bringing pressure, the Jaguars blitz just above league average on pass plays, just above league average on run plays, just above league average. They simulate pressure just above league average. They stunt just above league average. They stunt on passing downs just below and they run stunt uh, right around league average. So not really heavy one way or the other, right? Keeping it balanced, keeping it mixed up in terms of what they do. On that defensive side of the football, they are completely led right now by Mr. Josh Allen, the Kentucky boy himself, who I did love a lot coming out and uh, took a little bit of time there. PFF has him with, I think, 61 pressures, 50, excuse me, 82 pressures. I'm all over the place. 69 <laughs> pressures, 15 sacks, 12 nice. quarterback hits, and has 31 stops. So has been an absolute force for the Jaguars, player that's going to get a $100 million contract, it looks like. Last year had a very nice year, kind of like a Matt Judon, a lot of pressure, not a ton of sacks, and then has doubled the sack production this year in year five, I believe on that fifth-year option for the Jaguars. So with him, he's the headliner. They have Trayvon Walker, who has not come into his own yet, but is a very solid player overall younger in experience kind of reminds me in ways of Patrick queen that he wasn't a very experienced player and got drafted very well, very high being the number one overall pick. But I think the tools are there. I think the tape was good enough. I think he'll grow into his skill set enough to make some noise in terms of pass rush elsewhere. They have really not much. Clavon uh, chase on has two. They only have, two players with more than three sacks and they only have two players with more than 40 pressures, only three with more than 16 pressures. So not generating a lot of pressure outside of those edge rushers, which is why having Lamar Jackson is very nice. If he knows where pressure will probably come from, he can just dance on it. He can just toy with it. He can toy with anyone. He can so, he's doing tricks on it is what you're saying. Oh yeah, he'll 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 do all kinds of crazy stuff. So pressure-wise, I don't see how the Jags put Jackson in a blender. I think the continuity up front, I think the lack of depth and depth of talent is not very high in that front in terms of pass rush ability. However, they're a very stout run unit, in my humble opinion. I think they do a nice job. They have full side Olicon, one of the better linebackers in the NFL, a ton of tackles, very little missed tackles. Uh, let's see here. He has an 8.1 missed tackle rate, which is right around where you'll see Roquan Smith most of the time. 103 tackles there. 54 stops. I think that's towards the top of the league. They have Devin Lloyd back there as uh, a very nice athletic, younger-ish duo. Not too dissimilar from, from Queen and Roquan Smith. A little bit bigger and a little bit more thumping ability, I'll say there. But Oikon can really run and I think is a crazy underrated player. 
that has been awesome this year for those Jaguars. And then in their secondary, Andre Cisco, a little bit of a ball hawk back there. He's made some plays, three picks, uh, only one pass breakup, but has had a couple interceptions. Uh, they have Darius Williams playing corner, who has been a very nice player, but boy, oh boy, can you run right through that dude's face. Rayshon Jenkins at safety has been playing a good bit. Trey Herndon, Tyson Campbell, another high pick there in Tyson Campbell that uh, is kind of the opposite. He'll he'll come hit you in the mouth, but you can beat him over top. So solid average unit from these Jaguars in terms of what else I like to do. Uh, disguising coverage. I haven't even taken a look at these yet, actually. Nothing in the red, nothing in the blue. They are right around league average in everything they do. So it feels like a defense that has no outliers overall in terms of disguising coverage. And I'm going to go ahead and guess their coverage rates are pretty similar. Eh. Actually, they play a super high rate of cover three, and they don't play a ton of cover one or cover zero. So a very heavy cover three team. And I think that bodes well for Lamar Jackson when they don't have a super talented secondary. The Ravens do have a lot of speed. I think this is a game where you'll see the Ravens receivers make plays again. You'll see an Isaiah likely able to get in space and go rumble again. And I don't know. I, I think that the Ravens have played some pretty good defenses. I know people talk about their strength of schedule. PFF has the Ravens with the 30th strength of schedule and whatever their formula is there, but they played the Browns. They played some some stout units and had some success. So I think they'll be able to move the football here. I would like to see Lamar Jackson have the field spread out. And whether that's with some heavier personnel and then you spread the field, I, I don't think condensing this team is a very good idea. I would like to see you walk them out, spread the field, give Lamar Jackson space, slide to Josh Allen and chip Josh Allen and go from there. I just... I think we'll continue to see the Ravens score 21, 28, 31 points as they have been. Yeah, they and what stands out to me is that 57 tackling grade that is in that orange category, which isn't great, obviously. So it kind of screams to me, you talk about spreading it out. I'm wondering if this is kind of a, you know, last week they were pretty dependent on the big play as far, at least as far as scoring went, where it's likely breaking a, a big one, Beckham breaking a big one. And then obviously they did have the uh, the touchdown drive to go ahead at the end there, which was a little bit more of that dink and dunk style. I'm kind of wondering, is it sort of that, quick game extension of the run game thing. They're backed off 10 yards from Zay Flowers. You throw that little quick smoke to him, see if he can make a play, break a tackle, gain five yards. I feel like that would be a good approach, and I do feel like we're going to be seeing a lot of these uh, Todd Munkin screens, which people seem to be hot and cold on. Yeah, I could see those wanting to spread the field, and I think people are hot and cold on them because of the result. And, you know, we've we've wanted to see the Ravens be a little bit more result-based this year as opposed to their process that they stuck to for so many years offensively. But I think the process there is it opens up the middle of the field. It allows you to throw the ball over top. Uh, if they're playing a lot of cover three, though, and they're sitting in middle of the field close coverage a lot or a fair amount, that means more defenders in the box. You might want to not want to throw a ton of screens, but... Uh, I feel like this would have been a really nice game to have Mark Andrews in, and I would like to see Isaiah likely go up and get the football. Uh, I think there's a nice game to go run downfield on those safeties and see if you can hit those seams, attack the middle of the field over those linebackers a little bit. And man, if you can get that going, that'll spread them out some. And Keaton Mitchell, Zay Flowers, Odell's been making plays. I think we're going to continue to see Zay Flowers just make play after play, be a first down mover, 
make some guys miss after the catch. But I don't know. Lamar Jackson's probably most impressive throw I've ever seen was that nuke, that absolute weapon of mass destruction he threw to Deshaun Jackson in Jacksonville last year. And I don't think these safeties, I don't think these corners are like, like that. I don't think they're like that. Cisco a little bit, but I don't think running downfield back, I don't think they're like that. I want to see them get tested. Did see PFF posted that Rashad Bateman has the highest separation in the NFL among all qualified wide receivers in the entire NFL. And I just want to see the ball come, come out a tick sooner. We've been saying that for a long time. It's not Lamar Jackson's game. He does like to hold it longer. He likes to make sure. And that did lead to a pick last week where it felt like if he got that ball out sooner and let Bateman run under it or overthrew him, which we've also, I've also complained about, give him a chance, underthrew it a little bit too late, and then it got undercut and intercepted. So was overthrowing, now underthrowing. Let's get the Goldilocks here. Let's get that porridge just right and let Rashad Bateman cook downfield. Yeah, a little bit of that. I want to see some more balance as far as the run-pass splits go that I was complaining about last week. I know that there are definitely situations where it makes more sense to do one or the other, uh, and it worked out well for them last week, too, with the win there. So it's it, all's fair uh, in love and war, and, uh, you know, the way things end, you know, being good, whatever that saying is, I'm totally lost uh, in the word salad there, but, you know. I, I just want to see a little more balance this week. And maybe it is a week for Lamar Jackson to kind of cut it loose in the scrambling game a little bit, which he started to do that in the second half, and uh, it opened things up for them a little bit too. So a little bit more a little bit more of that running attack, however you get it done. I, I just do want to see some more of that. I know it's funny because we were railing on them, or at least people were railing on them for not being pass-heavy enough volumetrically, which can be a little bit of a, a misleading stat to begin with, I think, but it, just a little bit more balance. That's That's all I'm asking for. Definitely, and I, I do think those edge rushers are nice players, and maybe that dictates you to try and run inside a little tiny bit more. Uh, and I, I do think it's a solid unit, especially because of those linebackers, but in terms of metrics, the Jaguars' rushing defense, when you go look at around 10% filter for garbage time, rushing success rate allowed, they rank second in the NFL. Uh, so they have been quite stout. They do let guys rattle off a little bit, but uh, you know, rushing EPA drops down to around 10th. Have definitely been a much more susceptible unit against the pass there in terms of success rate allowed. It's uh, almost a 10% difference. So strength on strength, stout unit. It feels like they just play good team ball fitting the run. They like to have those two linebackers on the field, but uh, try and run at those corners, run to the outside, stretch that field and let Gus Edwards go back to work. And I don't know. It feels like a get-right game for the offensive line in that sense. Pat Ricard, I feel like, is a nice weapon against them. And I don't know. It's prime time. Lamar Jackson likes to run around a little bit more in prime time, try and break some runs. So see what those guys have in store. But I think with the way they align, with everything we looked at, it's a game we might have to push the ball a little bit, which they did last week, not quite as efficiently, but somewhat successfully. Jackson with three touchdown passes over – 20 air yards, if I'm not mistaken. And got to keep doing it. Keep pushing. This is why you brought Todd Munkin in. This is why you drafted Zay Flowers. This is why you brought in Nelson Aguilar and Odell Beckham and have continued to push behind Rashad Bateman. And got a lot of speed. Isaiah Likely's fast, man. He's definitely faster than Mark Andrews was. I think there are some elements he's definitely looking to provide that are a little different from Andrews just in terms of like 
athleticism and skill set in that capacity. And him not having attention on him is a good thing. Like him not being as good, this is stupid, but him not being as good as Mark Andrews allows him to sneak out a little bit more from some tight alignments. And we see that result in a blown coverage where they were like not worried about him. That I feel like that never would have happened if Mark Andrews on the field. If he goes in motion like that, you make sure that guy's covered. First. And if they were running out the three Stooges there uh, at wide receiver again this year, which they very much are not. Correct. So solid team in Jacksonville. When you look at the spread and everything, we can get into predictions. The spread is currently Ravens minus three. Moneyline Ravens minus 171. The over under is 42 and a half. This game will kick off in Jacksonville Sunday night, the 17th at 8.20 p.m. with a nice 62-degree overcast. Both teams 8-5 and five against the spread. Uh, the, the spread has not changed a ton here. And again, Jaguars injury report currently has Travis Etienne questionable with a torso injury, which would be a, a devastating loss. I do think that one of their backs tore the Ravens up last year that wasn't Etienne. Somebody had a good game against them last year, I feel like. I, Zay, I just feel like Zay Jones had a massive game kind of out of nowhere. I think one of their backs had a really nice game. I'm not sure who it was. Kirk, obviously, out on IR. Cam Robinson on IR. Ezra Cleveland, the guard they traded for, questionable. Andre Sisco, questionable with a groin. Trey Herndon, the cornerback, has a head injury and is questionable. And their backup running back, Dearness Johnson, is also questionable. They did bring in Tank Bigsby, who I was decently high on and has not uh, has not looked very fluid so far. I also don't know what his status is on the injury report. I, I probably could look it up pretty easily. But Trevor Lawrence, I mean, like, he's probably not 100% right now after what happened a couple weeks ago. I think he's fine. I think he's okay. I think his ankle is probably a little stiff and swollen. Even that though, but, like that, you know, that can lead to some things. I know he looked okay last week, but like they did lose. And like, I mean, he you know, didn't, he like, didn't look okay. He so, yeah. had a tough game. And then it was kind of like the same thing. They, the Browns let off the gas pedal, start playing a little bit more. You just can't let off of him. If you start playing soft, it's like a Brady or a Manning or a luck or someone like that. That is what makes him good. He will chew you up quick, getting the ball out underneath. Bam, 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 bam. Tempo, tempo, tempo. Two-minute drives. He's a he rhythm guy. slice you up. Yeah, he's a rhythm guy, for sure. Yes, so don't let him. If you get a lead in this game, which I think the Ravens are going to, I think that's how the Jaguars are built, and I think that's how the Ravens are built. They do every week. Correct. <laughs> so. Then keep getting after him. Allow a big play. Do not let him get in that rhythm that you just mentioned. I think that's the key. And I'm going to look at Adafi Owe in this one. Was coming on really strong for a bit. Ton of pressure, a couple sacks in there. Feels like he's quieted down. Not sure if he's a little dinged up or something. Um, but let's let's see Adafi Owe go make some plays in primetime. It feels like he does that a lot in primetime. He'll, he'll have a nice game under the bright lights. We've seen him do it against the Chiefs, against the Raiders. Uh, did it, I think, this year. Sat, I think he had a sack against the Chargers. Owe did? Maybe. Who, who knows? There's not a website that yeah, can figure that no out. no way to look that up. I think he did, though. I think you're right. So I want to see Adafi Owe have a day in this one and be relentless and be fast. Have a day. Pass rush. Have a day. Justin Matabike, keep doing what you're doing. And I think the key to this one, force at least one turnover from Trevor Lawrence, whether it's a strip sack or an interception, and they need to have at least three sacks. I think that's a nice mark. I think if you get those things done – you can disrupt Trevor Lawrence enough. I think this offense should be able to put up at least 20 and go get a win. Clowny, four games to go here. We, we got to get a couple more sacks. We got we to gotta hit that double-digit mark. I need it Just for it. Just have to. 
need to have to. Okay. Is that, uh, that all we got? That's all we got. I guess predictions here. I'm not going to buck my trend now, I guess. Primetime, Trevor Lawrence, did you learn your lesson? I think this team has learned a lot of lessons in the last year or two. And I think the lesson they learned is – I would be surprised if Harbaugh is not saying exactly what I'm saying. My shirt is inside out, is it? Nope, it's not. No, you're good. Trevor Lawrence sliced us up. We got we got a step on their throat and keep our foot there. That is, I guarantee, the type of sentiment that Harbaugh has after what happened last year there. So unfinished business, all that rah-rah stuff. I think the Ravens go ahead on primetime, put up three touchdowns, maybe two field goals, 27-piece, somewhere around there. And let's go Jaguars. Please say it. Please. I don't say know it. what you want me to say. I, I just want to hear what you say, and then we'll decide. 27-23. Oh, so anyone listening that was just listening to 105.7, uh, I guess as you're listening to this, it was last night, but I was on with Tim, uh, and I predicted Ravens would win this one 27-21. Okay. We've been in pretty lockstep. What is your – I think you've had a nice gauge so far. I think your tummy has been steering you in the right direction. What does your tummy say about this game? Yeah, it feels like I, – I, I'm kind of feeling sort of a similar one to last week, maybe a little bit of some frustrations here and there. Uh, I think they're still kind of working out the kinks here, man. Like the offensive line, they held up really well, but they're platooning a ton last week. We'll see if that continues. It's going to be – you're going to have your hands full with Josh Allen, whoever's going to be lining up next – or, uh, you know, over top of him. Um, so yeah, we're, we're going to see what happens, but I think it's going to be kind of another, another exciting game, another barn burner Ravens just seem to play in those this year. And more often than not, they've been winning them. So that's kind of the, the direction I'm going. Prime time. Oh yeah. Big game. Big, 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 big game. I think this one with a win kind of officially, I already said the division's over. I still believe that. I think this one pretty much officially locks the division up. The Ravens got off on the gets them to 11 wins with three to go is that's a good fucking year. It is. Yeah. That is a damn good year. And really, like, I'm pretty buttressed confidence wise by what I saw last week. Like they got off on the right foot coming out of the bye. Like if they were to go out there and lose that game and they would have been in crushing fashion again, all the narratives and all the bullshit would start to puddle up again and we would have to have these conversations uh, about blown leads and all this kind of stuff. And are they, are they going to kind of bottle it as they'd say over in Europe? Uh, but they got a big galvanizing win and that builds a ton of confidence for you. And obviously that's a little bit more of the meatball fan side of things, but obviously it does uh, affect your team morale and it probably affects your game planning. It just makes you more confident. I feel like they're confident rolling into this one. And I think once again, like I said, it'll be close. It'll be a battle. Just like I think all th remaining four of these games are going to be a battle, but I expect them to come out on top. They've, you know, we, we've had their fun. We, you know, poked at Juan Harbaugh a little bit here uh, it, earlier in the year when they suffered those two losses that were tough. But like I said, way more often than not, they've been on the right side of these things. So go ahead and do it again. I do want to correct myself. They already played the Texans twice and split those. The Jags are now in week 15. They are six weeks removed from their bye week. The they AFC South, the I swear Niners. to God, the AFC South exists in this alternate dimension where each team plays each other like six times a year. Like, I feel like every Sunday I turn on my TV, the Texans and the Colts are like the Jags and the Colts or the Titans and the Colts or like the Texans and the it Titans. It is always the Colts, too, I feel like. I feel it, like the Colts play 10. Yeah, it's insane. Like, they're, they're like, they're in the upside down. They're, they're, they're out I in the dead I feel like it's because on red zone, I think they have a lot of, this is my stupid logic. I bet they have a lot of one o'clock games because they're the least exciting division probably yeah. that didn't turn out quite that way this year with the NFC South. Probably a, a lot of one o'clock games, so they're always on red zone, on red zone. Gardner Minshew is always on red zone yeah. all the time. It's crazy. I feel it's just like the... <laughs>
I don't need to belabor the point. Obviously, it's very stupid, but like I just I do feel like these teams just are in this like. I don't, I don't think it's I think it's stupid, but it's not stupid. Like all we watch, all I watch is AFC South football. That is how I feel. Yeah, I feel like I know a lot about that division in these teams. I see them constantly. We just saw the Titans the other night. You know, give it exactly. give us a big they favor. Have a mix there. of one p.m. and like random Thursday night games and stuff. The t- Jags and the Titans are playing on Thursday night. It's like always, bah, 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 always in your face. It'd be like three one o'clock games and a primetime game somehow for one of them. Yeah, it's wild. But uh, yeah, that's what we got. Ravens winning a close one from both of us. We do. So thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Please like and subscribe if you... I feel like a lot... I'm seeing the numbers start to pump up there on YouTube. I think a lot of uh, our longtime listeners are starting to transition over there. We appreciate you guys. We love you guys. Holidays coming up here. We're about to drop, like I said, hopefully in the next couple days here, a, uh, a new hoodie and some gear and some things of that nature. So keep an eye out for that. I like it a lot. I think it's pretty sweet. And hopefully, as Thursday night football comes down the barrel, hopefully my four-unit hammer here Mr. Jacoby Myers pumping out four receptions, hits. Need that. Four unit hammer. Wow. Okay. So that's all we got for tonight then, huh? That's all we got. All right. Well, thank you guys again for listening. Like he said, you can find us on YouTube at Exit52Podcast. Go ahead and throw that subscribe button our way. Watch all the videos, comment on them, throw the likes our way as well. Get that algorithm pumping. Uh, You can still find us on all the podcast platforms as well. If that is your preferred method, you can find us on social media at Exit52Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, all of that. I am at Jake Luke. That's L-O-U-Q-U-E. Spencer Ravens, four dummies. That's the number four in the middle there. Brian at Barstool Banks. Taylor at Taylor Smythe 10 Eric at E-D-I-T-T-I-22. Thanks again, y'all, and we'll talk to you again on Sunday night with the instant analysis. See ya. Arrivederci.